Are you Bajan? Um, Vincentian. Uh, but really, that's way back. I'm I'm Scotian. Okay, okay, Scotian. okay. Sixth okay. generation. Yeah, you know why I ask you this, right? Mm. Because I'd be doing my uh, my investigative reporting through listening to music and stuff yeah. too, right? And oh, that's my Bluetooth. Um, but the thing is, I heard you mention Barbados a few times, yeah. and I was like, "Yo, what's going on with Barbados?" And, well, and I went to man. university there. <gasps> oh, so that's why. you went to Uni of Barbados. Yes, yeah, I did a one year exchange program. That's when I was going to York. Sick. Yeah, it was incredible. Went to school with Miss Jamaica. She wasn't Miss Jamaica yet, but uh, she was a couple years after that. Really? Eh? Yeah. That's dope, man. Yeah. See, okay, listen. That was I, I, I want to I get into some music. It's all about the education. <laughs> yeah, man. You stay on the education, bro. That's crazy. Okay, let's get some music popping yeah, and let's, let's have a conversation. Yeah. I'm going to take you down memory lane first. Let's do it. about to go down we love hip hop we're gonna go from the beginning yeah to where it we are now the, fame. Yeah. the reason that i got it to the game wasn't to add a few dollars to my name mm. only wanted to things he like rock him and rock a fat gold chain let's go but now a few things change and it ain't the same when i step off stage because when they holler say my rhymes made a change so it's different when i sit down and write a page let's go can't come with any rhymes much more than just the punchline flow it's first time though take a look what's going on if you a child lost there's another mother mars yeah so now i understand travel coast to coast then reach different lands microphone in my hand and only difference is now we got the plans Let's take us to um, let's take us to where we are now, man. You know what I'm saying? Let's let's, let's uh, take us to the now. Hopefully, my my Spotify doesn't mess with me today. There we go. There we go. This is my shit right here. Uh huh. We're about to educate the babies today. So to all the people in the listening audience. It's about to go down. Touchdown and I'm thinking about next. About to run it back and be up in the air. Bring the corner back, get the same. We, 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 we love it. Even on the field. Game got a new face like the $10 bill. I got no chill. That's how the game made me. Had to take over. Industry shady. Chances were slim, but the eyes never scared me. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So we are back. You know what I'm saying? Interview of the evening. We on the gridiron right now. Um, it's your boy Friday, Ricky Dread. Um, big salute to our sponsors, Astro Pink, as usual. If you know, you know. Check them out on their website, myastropink.com or on Instagram, astro underscore pink. But today, I feel like this is more than an interview, okay? I feel like today we're going through an education segment. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And, and you are somebody who are big on education. You know what I'm saying? Um, accomplished in this game, a lot of different things that you've been doing. You've been world traveling. You've been moving around, um, popping up at, you know, putting together conventions, putting together workshops, speaking at schools. Um, and as an independent artist, to me, 
and I'm going to say low key, but with all due respect, okay? Yeah. Low key is one of the most successful independent artists out there. You know what I'm saying? Thank you. So with no further ado, we have D.O. A.K.A. Um, D.O. Gibson. Um, what, is, what is it? Defy the odds, Defy baby. the odds. Defy the odds. Gibson, you know what I'm saying? That's what I've been trying to do. Defy the yeah, odds. Man. Full-time job, 19 years. Going on 20th year anniversary. Let me ask you quick fast. Yeah. What's a Grammy performance like, bro? Like going to a Grammys, the, shoot, the filming of a Grammys. I love going to the Grammys. I've been there five times, but it's always interesting because you never know what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Whether it's walking the red carpet and I walked in behind Cardi B yeah. last year or this year I'm with Courtney Kardashian and Travis Barker. But I was able to see one of my friends, Paul Farberman, who used to be the manager slash lawyer for Celine Dion. Wow. And then he was like, D, I'm on the first level. Mm-hmm. I was on the third level. And you would think at the Staples Center, third level, uh, it's not going to be that that great. Yeah. But it, to go to the Grammys, you have to be part of the Recording Academy. Okay. So, for instance, the person who I just saw who was sitting in the next row over to the side was Mike Tyson. That's crazy. That's on the third level. But I made it into the first level, and then TV timeout was over. I walked up to the front. There was a table with three beautiful women sitting there. Okay. There was an and, empty and spot. TV timeout. Just to, you know, break it down for the people who don't understand that type of lingo, because I know what you meant. Sure. But break down TV timeouts before you get into the rest so of the story. Because it's a live performance, mm-hmm. they have to take their TV breaks. Mm-hmm. And it's an opportunity for them to shuffle things around, prepare for the next um, performance and yep. whatnot. So I just asked these women sitting there, do you mind if I sit here? And mm. they said, go ahead. And then I looked up and they were like, Doing the countdown. They do the live <laughs> countdown. 10, 9, 8, 7. And then I saw Lenny Kravitz. Wow. Just like 50 meters away from me or something like that. Mm-hmm. And he was announcing album of the year. So this is almost towards the end of the show, but I still made it down to the front row. <laughs> That's crazy. And, and just to stay on that before we get into your history and different things like that, right? Like you went five times. Mm-hmm. What's, what, the, what was the first time like? Because after the... F- Third, fourth time, you're probably like, okay, you kind of know what to expect, even though there's always going to be some surprises. Mm. But the first time as a Canadian artist, right? And I always wear something that represents where I'm from. Yeah. So I'm wearing like a Blue Jays hat or Raptors hat because you stick out Mm -hmm. and that's how you can start conversations. Like I remember when I was in New York, maybe my third time, I saw Jim Layritz, Mm -hmm. who used to play for the Yankees. And he just came up to me because he saw my Blue Jays hat. But that first time, it was dope because we're not expecting to walk the red carpet. Mm -hmm. So what I learned was when I picked up my Grammy tickets, the guy said, what you want to do is go to the host hotel. Mm -hmm. So you go to the host hotel and then they give you a shuttle. Because when they give you the shuttle, then you can walk right on one of the red carpets. It's not like the red carpet that has the ET entertainment tonight, Mm -hmm. but it's still a red carpet and you're still walking in beside Lady Gaga, just right over at the side. Yeah. But within five minutes of walking into my first Grammys, I was with DJ Khaled. And I said to myself, I need to come to this every year because I've always felt that one of the most important things you can do as an artist is to control your destiny mm-hmm. and to control your destiny. You have to put yourself around the right people. So yeah. I've been doing that since going to the Source Awards back in the day. The Source Awards, the <laughs> man know, said, whoa. BT Hip Hop Awards, everything. Yeah. So um, Revolt. And 
I think it's always about putting yourself in those positions to succeed. Mm-hmm. And just to like stay on different awards and stuff like that, because this, as a Canadian artist, and mm-hmm. you know, I used to read, I used to rap once upon yeah. a time, once upon, once upon a time, catch me on Spotify. Um, yeah. How do you even get in, get into these doors in the first place? Cause you've been doing this for a long time. Mm-hmm. And like, there's a lot of artists who've been trying to get into the game or who've been in the game for a long time. And, They've never been at the Grammys. They never got to go to the BT Awards. Like, how was it? How did you get through those doors early in the game? Again, it comes down to relationships and it comes down to really giving a focus on the business. Mm-hmm. So the first time I went to Los Angeles, I'm going to the House of Blues. Mm-hmm. And that's an event that SEMA's putting on. And SEMA is the Canadian Independent Music Association. Okay. So I'm going to this event with Canadian talent because what I realized then was that the Grammys are one night. But Grammy week, there's a whole host of events. Yeah. So when I'm going to this Canadian Grammy party, I'm walking in with this guy and I'm like, man, this is my first time in LA. I don't know what to expect. Mm-hmm. He's just cool dude. But when we go to the check-in, he says his name is Joel, but it's like Joel Zimmerman and that's <laughs> Dead Mouse. Oh, snap. <laughs> so that's what I'm walking in with. But obviously, I don't recognize the guy. You know, he's not wearing his hat. He's not wearing the mask. <laughs> right. But oh, within, shit. again, within a few minutes of being there, and I'm I'm solo. Mm-hmm. I'm solo. My boys are coming slack at the beach house, coming in the next day. I changed my flight to come in this day early for this. Yeah. So I don't, I'm not rolling with anybody. But I had to become very comfortable doing that. And, you know, I'm talking to Martin Short. I'm getting invited for a dinner right afterwards. I'm kicking it with the CEO of Universal. But what I loved about that dinner was, you know, being asked to come up to this dinner. Mm. But you, you see this long table. And again, I don't know. You know, I know some people from SEMA, but I don't know everybody sitting at the table. Yeah. So I just take a seat where I can right at the end. And there's a seat open <coughs> right across from me. And who comes and sits down across from me? Melanie Fiona. Wow. So then we ha- obviously have something to talk yeah, about. Yeah, Canadian Toronto. connection. Yeah. yeah, so I'd never met her before, but you know, she's incredible artist, mm-hmm. very humble and cool. But it was moments like that that made me realize, again, connecting with organizations like ASEMA got me in there. Then when you're in Los Angeles, utilizing your network of people that you might know or your friends might know, I connected with Thornell Jones. He recommended me to the Recording Academy and then I became a member and he used to work with Jill Scott. And then when I first had my first party in LA, Mm -hmm. because I put on now events for the Grammys, well, Grammy weekend, right? Um, He represented an artist and he's like, yeah, he wants to come through. And so my first Grammy event, man, I had George Clinton. Wow. Yeah, little mixer party in the afternoon. Probably like no more than 7,500 people could fit in this place, but I got Mr. Clinton. Dwayne, <laughs> yeah. th- there's, there's, there's no way at some point in time while this is all evolving in front of you that you yeah. don't like geek out at one point and be like, holy shit, how, yo, whoa, whoa, how am I in this room? I, I geek out all the time because I'm okay. very grateful. Mm. I'm very grateful. Like I always, in one of my books, Stay Driven, uh, I start off by talking about my first performance in Tokyo. Okay. And, you know, we literally went from the plane to the train, to the taxi, to the venue yeah. and performed. And we had people knowing our music, Crazy. which was incredible. But I said to Slacker right after, like, man, can you believe this? Yeah. Like, two boys from small towns and we out there. And I think it's really important to love the journey. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like I said, this is my 19th year doing it full time. 
but I appreciate, you know, everything about it. I just love hip hop. I love the work you do too, brother. Thank you. But I love the journey. And I love now that I'm also able to give that opportunity to young artists and emerging artists and those artists that are like, man, I just love to come perform in Amsterdam and making it a reality for them. Mm-hmm. Yo, man, that's beautiful, bro. Like, and, 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 you know, even in the beginning with the name Defy the Odds mm. or Defy Odds, D-O. Yeah. Was that your first name? Like, did you come up with that like right away when you started rapping? It was D-O-G. D-O-G. But then it's not a cool story <laughs> because I start every show that I do for kids. I've done yeah. over 3,500 shows for kids. Mm-hmm. But I start every show saying my name is D-O. And then what does D-O stand for? Yeah. And it's already on the screen. So some kid will say defy the odds. Mm-hmm. And then I'll say, do you know what that means? And I say what it means is people, when I told my friends I was going to be a rapper, I'm living in Sault Ste. Marie, Ontario. Yeah. You know, I'm in grade nine, grade 10. It's 1993. What did they say? They said, you can't be a rapper. Mm-hmm. You're from Canada. And you're from St. Sault Ste. Marie, Sault Ste. bro. Marie, born <laughs> in Saskatchewan. Yeah. Right? Came up in Sarnia. So, but again, just being that Canadian rapper for this generation, because now when I say that, kids are like, what are you talking about? It doesn't matter if you're Canadian. Mm-hmm. But as you know, we've gone through such a change in the last 12, 14 years oh, of what sure. being a Canadian means. Yeah. But there was a point where it didn't seem possible to be a Canadian rapper and make a living from it. No, it's real shit, man. Like even like back in the times when we were just doing the much music thing. Yeah. Um, there was like mainstream rappers that we seen out here, like Cardinal mm-hmm. and Shaq Claire, um, the Rascals, all these different people. You were there, mm-hmm. you had videos, mm-hmm. but during that time you stayed independent and you stayed independent till now. Yeah. Why was that always a choice even from back then when like getting a deal was a thing? I set the Guinness Book of World Records 2003. Yes. World's longest freestyle rap. And we're going to get into that. And I will, but I was just going to say what I noticed in the months afterwards mm-hmm. were say a much music would want to do an interview, but they'd say, let's do it in a few months or now magazine or or this or that. But I called double XL. I actually pretended to be my publicist, Mm. you know, because I'm not going to say I'm DO. I want to do this. And they had Vanessa Satin, the editor, call me within an hour and set up an interview. And now I'm in double XL magazine. And then I'm like, I got to take advantage of this when it comes out in October. So my friend who directed my first video, Conley, mm-hmm. we went down to New York because, you know, back in the early 2000s, it's just about getting to New York. You got to go to New Something's York. Something's got to happen in New York. <laughs> yeah. And from working on this show here, he, um, he had a connection to a guy who was at MTV. Mm-hmm. So it's a Thursday and he calls him up as soon as we land in New York. And that guy says, why don't you come down to the studio tomorrow? Right. So we go down to MTV the next day. And we just think we're meeting, but we walk into MTV radio, shoves a mic in my hand, and I'm live on MTV radio. Wow. As soon as that's done, he says, you should meet my son. I don't know who his son is, right? Yeah. He calls his son. He's like, what are you guys doing this afternoon? He said, I don't know. Calls his son. His son says, we should come over. He works at Def Jam. So now I'm over at Def Jam. I see Ja Rule at the entrance, going up the elevator. Jim Jones is walking in. Rockefeller Records is coming out and seeing me. And then, you know me, I just 
start busting on freestyles. Yeah. Right? So from that, I had a relationship with Def Jam where when I came to New York, I'd go see them. Mm-hmm. And what I learned from that experience was it would be great to get a deal. But when I talked about what I was doing, they were like, okay, I'll just be real with you. You can come and try to be the Canadian rapper here. There's a million rappers trying yeah. to do the exact same thing. It sounds like you're doing this school thing and you get paid for it and you get an opportunity to do all these performances. So to build up your fan base and you've been selling CDs, so you've got the independent hustle. Mm-hmm. And that really just made an impression on me that that was the path that I wanted to go. Yeah. And then when I started learning the grant system, that's where I started realizing I could really empower myself doing that. And I did release um, two projects on Universal. Mm-hmm. But the frustration, man, was that you'd go to Yorkdale and there'd be one CD. Wow. Two CDs. And what happens if you sell out those CDs? It's not like they're going to rush out and buy one or two more. Yeah. So I found it very frustrating that we'd have our product in stores. We'd sell it out across the country, but just two, 300 copies. The district, the, but the manufacturing was low. Yeah, the manufacturing is low. And that's, that's the story of a lot of Canadian rappers, mm. a lot of independent rappers. So that's when I started realizing it's nice to have your CD in stores because, yeah. you know, back in the day, that's your dream yeah. to walk in the CD store. You, I go to the D and there it is. Yeah. But um, I just realized that there was other ways to make it happen. And the number one way I found to make it happen was touring, opening for artists that have fan bases and selling your CD afterwards. And that's why I opened for Classified and would sell 20, 30 CDs a night. Yeah, because you have that connection to... Um the, the East Coast. Yeah. Right? You're Scotian. Scotian. Right? So you've always had like your your connection to down home as they say. Yeah. Right? God, and now I'm called down home with classified. Yeah. <laughs> and like you you were connecting with the man from back in the days. But one person that in your young life that really helped pivot you in your rap career and you know put some game put you onto a lot of game was Maestro Fresh West. Yeah. Can you give us some of the, the things that really started pivoting your mind at that time when you started talking to Maestro and that and that the time frame of Maestro in that point too? Because you gotta remember Maestro was like late eighties going into the early nineties and he had a lot of different eras. Two thousand one is the first time I really connected with Maestro. Okay. It was at the UMAC Awards, the mm-hmm. Urban Music Association. That was the first time like Chaos did a big performance. Yeah. Heaven only knows. That was the Papa Stro album times. And I yeah, and I thought it was an incredible event because here I am. I just got back to the country. I was living in Barbados for a year, going to university, mm-hmm. and now I'm connecting with. Ev- it seemed like everybody in the the hip hop industry, like yeah. rascals, are there or whatnot. But when I saw Maestro, I was just amazed when I talked to him how humble he was, because there's the kid in me that looked up to him, but he's just cool. And yeah. I used to have these small business card-like CDs, these mini CDs. I never really seen them again, mm-hmm. but I gave him the CD and that was Caravan a weekend. And then the next day I'm walking down the street and he's like, yo, D.O. And we just kind of connected from there. And I think he even said like, yo, take my number down. Yeah. And so we went and chopped it up at the Real Jerk. And we just formed a friendship that was organic where we just go out for lunch and kick it. And I love that he was just so willing to share knowledge of the game mm-hmm. because so many artists kind of keep it to themselves. 
And he'd always be encouraging me, like, come on, you're D.O., man. Like, you're doing, you're doing this, you're yeah. doing that, man. Like, come on. And it's, it's just dope to still have that relationship with him because he's exactly 10 years older than me. Mm-hmm. So, you know, at that time, I might have been like 24. So he's 34. And at that time, being 34, are you really going to still go in hip hop? Yeah. And even, I, I think he would admit it, like, People weren't sure where Maestro was going to go in those early 2000 years. And like he was doing okay, but like you look at him now and this is 20 years after Mm -hmm. when I met him and he's thriving. Just released his second children's album. You know, he's got a sponsorship from Lincoln. He was hosting the East Coast Music Awards. He's got a new part in a TV show. Yeah, new part in a TV show. So for me, I can say to myself, okay, in 10 years, this is what I want to be doing. Mm-hmm. So I think that's the great thing about a mentor. He has this line, steel sharpens steel. Mm-hmm. And whether it's just going for a coffee with him, it's like we learn from each other. And and I appreciate having a mentor that's considered the godfather. No, and I do as well, man. Mm-hmm. Maestro and I, you know, he'll call me out of the blue. He'll, yeah. give, he'll give advice. Mm-hmm. I have great and long conversations with him. Mm-hmm. And the way that you explain that he was with you when you were younger yeah. He's still like that with artists to this day because we have conversations about, and I just want to give Maestro his flowers quick. Sure. Class, you know, he, yeah. he has, he's very passionate about a lot of these young Toronto rappers mm-hmm. that are out right now. You know what I'm saying? He'll be like, yo, Cholo Cash, that guy's crazy. Yo, that other guy, yo, you, you, you check him out. Like he's asking me if I'm checking out some of these yeah. guys, you know what I'm saying? So I really appreciate the passion that he has for this, this culture. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? And, and with you, the Guinness Book of World's Record back in 2003. Okay, I'm going to read this out of um, Wikipedia. Okay, it says, Dio set the Guinness Book of World, Guinness World Records for longest freestyle rap at the Dark Knights National Car Show, an outdoor car sh- uh, festival in Toronto, Ontario, Canada. His rap lasted for eight hours and 45 minutes and was performed in front of hundreds of spectators. He was the first rapper to have a video documented evidence to support the claims he has done the world's longest, the um, longest B freestyle, or I wrote that wrong, freestyle rap. Okay. Eight hours and 45 minutes, bro. How do you prepare for some, something like that, bro? I don't know. I don't know. It's not like I practiced rapping for eight hours before. I didn't even practice rapping for three. But the organization that did it, Dark Knights, mm-hmm. they came up with a um, magazine. Mm-hmm. So when they interviewed me, they misquoted me because I set the record. So okay. technically, I could just go for 20 minutes. Mm. But they said, how long are you going to go for? I said, I don't know, an hour, three hours. Maybe it'll be eight hours. Yeah. But then I had people come up to me because they were giving this magazine away at like Kennedy Station or, you know, whatnot. <laughs> and then they're like, so you're going for eight hours? I'm like, what? What are you talking about? So when that bar got set, then it was like, I guess I got to try to do eight. Right. Right. And as I explained to kids, I explained it the same way when you read a book, because, you know, when you read a book for homework and, you know, like you just start reading the first 20 pages and. Mm-hmm. And if somebody says, what'd you read? You're like, I don't know. <laughs> uh, what about the basketball game tonight? I can tell you everything about it. Because yeah. while my eyes are on the sheet of paper, I'm thinking about the basketball game. Yes. However, there's times when you read a book and you get past that 20 pages. Mm-hmm. And then you just start getting into it. Yeah. And you're reading for like an hour or two hours. And you're just in the zone. Mm-hmm. And that's how I describe freestyling. 
because when you start freestyling, you're thinking. Right. You're actually like conscious of your thoughts. Yeah. But as you get into that zone, you're not even thinking anything. Like you're just, it's just flowing. It's you're just coming out of you. Yeah. So you're not, I wasn't even thinking at the time. And then when I got to four hours, they give you a 15 minute break. And that's when I just said, hey, I could do this. Cause like, I just feel like I'm warming up. Yeah. And, um, but I think really one of the things I think is missing from a lot of rappers now and myself included, I don't do it as much is writing mm-hmm. because I'm sure when you were coming up too, we rappers have rhyme books. Yes. And you wrote so many rhymes. Oh, I cluttered up so many places yeah. with pages of pages right? and pages, man. And it's stream of consciousness sometimes. And yeah. I just write and write. I'd write like 10 pages one day and, and stuff like that. And, mm-hmm. and I think just that practice of writing was so important because I think that when you write a rap now on your phone, and like I said, I do it too, but yeah. you're just thinking bar by bar and it's more for a purpose. Like mm-hmm. you're writing a song. Whereas when I was coming up, I mean, I didn't know any producers in the 90s, right? Like finding a beat was hard, Yeah. right? Sometimes it would be like, I just have a CD single and rap to the instrumental on the B-side type yeah. of thing. But um, I would just write without a purpose. And, and really that's, that's what freestyling is about for me. Mm-hmm. And, you know, just to add on to that also quick, fast, the, uh, there's a lack of writing and not only just the phone stuff, because mm. I'll even accept that, dude. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Right. Like, yeah. the, I'm just, I just freestyled this whole song. I'm like, that's cool. Yeah. If you're just doing a display, like how you displayed your skill set for eight hours, mm-hmm. right? But like, if you're really trying to get into some shit, I would rather you write it down. Yeah, or, you know, like, there's different songwriting techniques, but it's mm. like, you know... Or, like, write it in your head. I yeah, write it in your head, but, like, I might freestyle, like, a 16-bar and then listen to it and say, okay, I like this part, yes. I like that part, because the one good thing about freestyling is you are doing things that you aren't doing when you just write. Mm-hmm. I mean, that was my problem when I first started recording raps. Like yeah. People would say they're not as good as your freestyle because I would be overthinking it and writing too much in there. Mm. So there is that balance, but, but I, I always look up to Eminem. You know, I grew up in Sarnia, which is less than an hour from Detroit. Yep. And what I love about Eminem is Eminem's one of the best freestylers ever. Mm-hmm. But if you hear how he describes his songwriting, it's, he writes, he edits, you know, you see those rhyme pages where he's crossing things out and they putting things crazy. in. But to me, that's, that's what writing really is. And, and, you know, I was hearing uh, Bruce Springsteen say this the other day on the queue, like people don't care how long your song takes to make, mm-hmm. like how long it takes you to make a song. People care if it's good. That's a fact. So it's like, put your time into it. Like um, you could free, like sometimes I freestyle the song, but then I'm like, uh, you know, maybe I want to come with a whole different concept mm-hmm. to that song, right? So especially if you're paying for the beat, you know, you don't want to just wing it. So uh, I, I think freestyle is an important skill, but it's like slam dunking in basketball. You got to develop your whole game. Yeah, man. And, and even with that, right? Like I was talking to one of, uh, one of our guys over here, Dusty Wallace, right? So yeah, he's, yeah. He's a Dusty, right? And he was like, Yo, man, man's must be like on Ebos or something like that to do, to be rapping that long, right? Right. You have always been clean. Like you've never done no drugs. You've never been in like 
like you're a nice guy, bro. Mm. And I'm sure Thank I'm you. sure you heard this before, right? I appreciate it. But like you've never been like fucked up on drugs, any alcohol alcoholism, fucking arm robbery one time that you were like, yo, man, I can't believe I did that. Like, bro, like uh, I don't know about that, man. <laughs> no, I'm not I'm not uh, saying like like have you ever been like <laughs> off your path of like uh, definitely. bringing like, you know, positivity, bro? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm a drinker, man. Mm. So, um, you know, and then, you know, I had to check myself because then I, I realized hey, I'm drinking too much mm. and that can happen in this this game, you know. Oh, yeah, for sure. So, um, you know, I had to self-regulate and, um, you know, the people that I hang out with, you know, sometimes we're doing some other things and had to check the people that I'm associating with. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, I guess I present an image but at the same time, I would like to think that when kids hear me at a school, that I'm being authentic, that it's not just like, hey, I'm Mr. Positive. I'm talking about some of the challenges I went through. Yeah. I'm talking about when I'm growing up in Sault Ste. Marie and getting called the N-word. And sure, you could say, yeah, I would just fight that person. But there's consequences. And there is loneliness. I've suffered depression. Mm. You know, I still suffer depression. Right. So it's like music and hip hop has always been my outlet. Yeah. And that's what I tell kids is find your outlet, find a way to express yourself. Mm-hmm. And um, that's what hip hop has done for me. No, nah, man, that's that's dope, man, because like I always wonder like this and, and don't get me wrong. There's a series. There's a set of rappers like from what I deal with with this with net, this network. Right. Mm. I deal with a lot of like grimy characters right yeah guys who come from hood circumstances and and you know some of them who've gotten into a lot of trouble and you can see it on the outside mm. you know what i'm saying you can see their troubles on the outside but then there's like different guys like yourself um you know shad yeah different guys who they present as more like you know um positive mm-hmm. you know what i'm saying solitaire yeah you know what i'm saying love solitaire I Easy always flip. wonder mm. if there's like problems behind the scenes. So like sometimes I, I, I I'm glad that yeah. you, you well, that expressed I, that. Man. On my last album, I had a song called "Still Smiling" because mm-hmm. um, I'm still smiling even when I'm down, mm-hmm. waiting for the sun to come back around. Because there's some days where I go do a show, and I might just get a text message that just sets me off. Um, I'm really upset about a lot of things. Yeah, but then they're like, "And coming to the stage, Dio." I put my phone down. I just brush myself off. That's mm-hmm. my thing I do. And then I go like this. Game time. <laughs> but yeah, um, there's that pain. There's depression. I think uh, and this one kid, he's actually my neighbor. <laughs> so uh, my neighbor's son. But after I did this show at, at our school, at his school, my kid's school, yeah. he came up to me and he's like, you know what, Dio? I said, what's that? He said, the best music is made from pain. Mm. And I believe that. So, you know, you got to reach deep inside yourself. One of the songs I have with Socrates is called Real Wisdom. Mm. And he did the hook on it. And he's like, I got so many regrets, but I had to learn to deal with them. Yeah. The power to reinvent. Now, that's the ish that comes from real wisdom. Mm. And to me, that's the thing is, you know, we all have regrets, but you got to get past them. And to me, rap is all about reinventing yourself if you're going to have longevity in the game. Like, look right. at you. 
You know what I mean? Like, look at your career. And, and now, you know, it's like a Noriega thing. Like, Nori's more popular than he's ever been yeah, in a lot of ways. Yeah. And it's still hip hop. Yeah. And to me, that's the great thing is like, it doesn't matter if, if I'm on the mic performing at a show at a club or wherever I'm at, I'm still doing hip hop. Yeah. I'm still in the game. Yeah, and you've always kept it hip-hop because you've been educating kids on black history mm. through hip-hop. And, like, I'm talking, like, way back in the days you've been doing yeah. that. You know what I'm saying? What got you into that in the first place? And then, two-part question, explain to the audience, like, who haven't been able to witness that and maybe sure. see videos, what that looks like. I got into my program called Stay Driven, which was the name of my first EP back in 2001. Yes. My mom's a teacher. If you know teachers, their friends are all teachers. Mm -hmm. So one of her friends said, can you come to my school? And her husband was a teacher. So he's like, can you come to my school in the afternoon? Yeah. And this is in St. Mary's, Ontario, because I also grew up in Stratford, Ontario. Wow. I've been around. <laughs> so that was great. But then my friend Kunlite, my music video director, his mom's a teacher. Mm. And she said, can I come to Timothy Eaton? Now, that's a technical institute in Scarborough. Yeah. No longer there. So the reason why I say that is because I'm at country schools in St. Mary's. And now I'm going to a high school in Scarborough that's like a technical spot. Yeah, and, that's where people and, usually get right? kicked out and go to. Yeah. yeah. So th but both of them went well. And then I said, maybe this is something I could do. Mm-hmm. And what you always do for anything is ask, what do they want? A lot of people want to get into, yo, D.O., man, I, I really want to get in this school game, man. What do you want to talk about? I want to talk about goals and like how you got to reach your dreams. Nobody wants to hear that. Yeah. They want to hear a message. So like when schools told me we want to hear something on anti-bullying, I deliver something on anti-bullying. Mm -hmm. I tie it in with goals and dreams. But then schools will say, can you do something for Black History Month? Right. And when I was in university, I took a lot of black history subjects. I've always just been engulfed in it. And being that my family's from Nova Scotia, Nova Scotia has so much black history. A lot. So just two weeks ago, I'm down in New Glasgow. And why New Glasgow is significant is that's where Viola Desmond sat down at the movie theater. Okay. When she wasn't allowed to sit in the main area, she was told to sit in the balcony. They threw her out and she ended up in jail. Mm -hmm. And now she's on the $10 bill. And I love that we have a black woman on the $10 bill. Yeah. And then we have people like Carrie Best who ran the newspaper that made it happen. Or we have my family friend who is the Lieutenant Governor of Nova Scotia, Mayanne Francis. And then also growing up in Sarnia, I was right down the street from places like Buxton, mm -hmm. who next year are celebrating their 100th anniversary of this affair. Um, and it's amazing that you see these people that came from the Underground Railroad and are still there. And yeah. Uncle Tom, if you go to Uncle Tom's cabin, the person playing Uncle Tom is my dad. Wow. And they're changing the name of it to the Josiah Henson spot because the word Uncle Tom mm -hmm. was subverted. When that book came out, it was selling more than the Bible. So when they turned it into a play, they made that title character, the hero, a legend in Canada, mm -hmm. they made him into a subservient person. And that's why you 
think of a bad thing when you think of Uncle Tom. Wow. So I just love the stories. You know, I, I love the stories about, you know, Willie O'Ree, the first black hockey player in the NHL. Yeah. But he was blind. He was hit up with a puck in his right eye, lost 90% of his vision. Oh, shit. But he was still so good that he made it to the NHL. That's crazy. So it's just, these are great stories. And then finally, it's like when you tell kids that The Rock, his father, is from Nova Scotia. Yeah. I mean, their last name isn't even Johnson. It's like my They're Bulls. No, that's on his um, mom's side. Oh, yeah. They're Bulls. B-W-L-E-S. His dad chose the name Rocky because of Rocky Maivia. Yeah, yeah, the yeah. The undefeated Italian boxer. Mm -hmm. And took the name Johnson because of Jack Johnson, the black U.S. heavyweight champion. Yo. See, I just keep on going, man. I'll just say, yeah. <laughs> this jewelry history just lesson. flying all over the place. Oh, <laughs> man. Yo, fam. Yo, if the, you know the emoji with the, the, the brain blowing up right there? Yeah. When you told me that Uncle Tom story right there, I had no right. idea, fam. Game on top of game, fam. And, and you know, you mentioned, <clears throat> um, bless you, you mentioned you. Um, your, the stay driven or mm. still um, stay driven back in the days. Right? Yeah. You put out um, a book in around 2013, 2014. Yeah. Right. Um, what inspired the book? And like, you know, just explain for the and, audience. And there's the new it. book too. Yeah. Still <laughs> on I gotta, the grind. This is on this grind. On I got a copy grind. for you. That's yeah, why I brought it thank back. Thank you. Thank you. I think it's really important for kids to read. Mm. I think that's a lost skill. I've got two kids. It's hard to get them to read. Yeah. Um, I know we live in a world with content flowing, but reading is one of the only things you can do where you have to put your full concentration into it. That's a fact. Nowadays, we, we're just multitasking. I, I'm, I'm guilty of it. You know, if I'm doing the dishes, I got a podcast on, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Um, listen to the music. So I wanted to create that and, and, give something where, you know, kids can learn from. And then when I wrote on this grind, this is life lessons learned from the music business Yeah. because I wanted to give young entrepreneurs, you don't even have to be in the music business to get the lessons from it. Mm -hmm. Because I think the reason why a lot of people like myself love hip hop is I love those lessons. Like yeah. I love Jay-Z because I loved the business game he was given. Mm -hmm. And so I wanted to give some of those lessons that I've learned and to help emerging and established artists too. Yeah. No. And the thing is, even if you're not into hip hop per se, all skills are transferable. It's, it's all transferable. Yeah. And it, that's what I say in, in one of my presentations where I talk about role models because mm -hmm. I talk about the rock and I talk about social media. So for a kid, who do you follow on social media? Yeah. And then I say, do you follow trolls? And then I put on the screen, Takashi 69. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but kids laugh, but it's true. Yeah. Or I say, I like The Rock. Because if you ever see his social media, it's always inspiring. It's like mm -hmm. late night, but I'm in the gym. Yeah. Hey, guys, just blessed for a day. And The Rock, he wanted to be a football player. Yeah. That was his dream. He failed. You know, he didn't even make it to the CFL. He got mm -hmm. cut from the practice squad. But I tell kids, transferable skills. Transferable skills. That work ethic applied to wrestling which applied to acting do you guys think the rock is a failure no <laughs> yeah yeah no, it's just, that's real talk right there man and you know you also have you're the founder of the northern power summit right that's right it's going into the sixth year now sixth year yeah right? last year there was a virtual one because yep. you know we're 
coming out of the the the, the lockdown. I won't say mm. the pandemic, but the sure. lockdown. Right? Yeah, that's a good point. Um, so let's talk about the founding of it first, mm. and then just even like some of that transition that had to happen like during last year because it's something that was going on for a while. Like you bring you bought a lot of people together. Yeah, yeah. So let's let's talk about the the, the foundation of it first. So we talked earlier about the Grammys and Source Awards, and I love going to award shows. Yeah, but I really built my career by going to music conferences. I go to Midem, which is in Cannes, France, mm-hmm. and I've been there 14 times. And what I noticed that second time I went, because the first time I didn't make a lot of things happen. I right. wondered, should I go? And then I realized I need to invest in relationships. So that second time I met Henko Maduro mm-hmm. and Fat Philly. And Henko runs New School Rules, which is a conference in Rotterdam in the Netherlands. Okay. And Fat Philly runs Fresh Island Fest in Croatia. And then I started going to these events and helping organize a Canadian showcase in, in Rotterdam. And then when I go to Croatia, we're opening for Snoop Dogg. Wow. KRS-One. I've been back opening for Chris Brown, Wiz Khalifa. So I realized that power of that. And then I said to myself, my friend and business partner, Pritam Sengupta, when we were at the Junos in Hamilton, we always noticed the music business in Canada. And what I mean by that is there's been so many times where I'm the darkest person in the room and I'm very light. Yeah. (laughs) But I just mean there's not very many black people at all. And there's not very much representation of hip hop. However, racism works in a lot of different ways because it's not like all these people are racist because they're friendly people. Yeah. They'd say to me, Dio, what can we do? Like, I'd love to connect with this audience. I just don't know how to do it. Mm -hmm. I'm a 50-year-old white man. So then I realized when we're at the Junos, how can we bring these worlds together? That these organizations actually do want to help these artists. And these artists want to get over and perform internationally. So why don't I bring over Henka? And why don't I bring over Fat Philly? And then why don't some of these young artists like Price the Boss, you know, come out and make these connections? And I loved it because that first conference we had David Heyman, mm-hmm. rest in peace, music supervisor. And he's just such a he's such a real cool guy. Yeah. So he's sitting there on, on stage and somebody asked him a question. They said, how do I get my music in these TV shows? I've never done it before. Yeah. And he says, well... After this, I'm going to be going having a beer at the bar. Maybe you want to come up, introduce yourself, follow up with an email. Mm-hmm. And that artist, a few weeks later, emails me and says, Dio, thank you so much, man. I got my first licensing deal. Nice. And we did about 20 licensing deals through David Heyman. And they're not big deals. But as an artist getting a check for $200 or $250, saying your music's on Kim's convenience, you're yeah. going to get royalties. I think that's a big thing. Oh, for sure. So now it's our sixth year. We've always, we always wanted to start small because let me ask you, man, how many times have you seen somebody in the city say, oh, we're going to do a big, (laughs) this is going to be a huge event. It's going to be crazy. And then it just flops. I see that every day in my DMs, fam. So I'm just like, I don't care how many people come. I just want a small community of like-minded people, Mm -hmm. people that are there because they really want to get something out of it. And that energy that comes from when you connect with other people that are like that. And 
to me, that's what it's all about. And so we're excited that we're doing three days. It's going to be November 24th to 26th mm-hmm. down in Kensington Market, which I love because that's the last area that hasn't been gentrified. Yeah. And I think it's important to support businesses there. And um, I'm looking forward to the shows. I'm looking forward to the speakers. I mean, we got an amazing lineup. I mean, we got you, brother. Hey. Yeah. hey. So it's going to be dope. No, yeah, man, that's that's dope, man. And, and I really dig the way that it brings people together. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? And also educates at the same time. Right? The education part is is critical because there's been so many music conferences I've been to where, like, what do you got to do to get to the next level? Well, it's really just about making good music. Mm-hmm. You just got to have good music. That's not a like, good that, answer, man. It doesn't help me at all. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Like, Hey, you just got to keep on working at it. You know, mm-hmm. like if you build it, they will come. It's like Field of Dreams. Yeah, I got a chapter in my book called Field of Dreams because that's not true. I've seen so many artists from this city, from this country, build it, wait, never release even their album, right? Because they were waiting for that right moment. Yeah. And that moment never came. Never came. Now that time passed them by. You know, it's like some people are like, say names. It's like, I don't even have to say names, but like, you know, some of those artists that had that buzz in a city and then, you know, whatever happens to them. Yeah. And they're waiting for something to come along. And again, that's why I just, I said I had to empower myself in my career. I couldn't wait for a manager mm-hmm. to come along. I couldn't wait for a label. I just wanted to to control my own destiny. And I think for artists, especially nowadays, that's the best way to do it. Sometimes you got to just go make it happen, yo. You got to go make it happen. Yeah. Don't make excuses. Yeah, yeah. You know, like, yeah. you you can't just say, or uh, so many people have said, well, I can't blow up in Canada because it's the population. Mm-hmm. You know, California has as many people as Canada. Okay, wait. So what? Yeah. Because I toured this country with Classified, and I saw this man have packed shows at every place we went to, mm-hmm. from Nelson to Revelstoke, you know, small towns, Kamloops. Yeah. And I said, like, if class can do it, you know, I can do it. Or yeah. or I toured with DL Incognito. Mm. And it always fascinated me that some of these Toronto artists that were getting played on flow, they weren't performing across the country. Yeah. And to me, some of them didn't humble themselves or come out to a Canadian music week yeah. and make some of those connections because those opportunities are there, but you got to get out there. Yeah. Uh, you know, just to even add on to what you're saying, I toured or I went on a tour with um, Mocha Only mm. and um, and Decisive. And nice. Right. So like yeah. they're, they're household names for people who are into the Canadian hip hop mm. scene, but they're not like radio darlings and stuff like that. You know what I'm saying? Like they're not you're not hearing them on commercial radio, but they're getting booked to do shows. They're getting booked to do shows. But I've always seen the hardest thing is Ontario. Mm. And I feel bad for artists that haven't performed outside of Ontario because I did those circuits with me and Decisive mm-hmm. and we have a song together called Old Habits yeah, and he's yeah. rapping about like having to stay at a dirty ass travel lodge and bringing all these merch and then not selling even two t-shirts yeah. and like we've done these shows in Hamilton and Barrie and sometimes they suck mm-hmm. there's only 10 people at the show and like you know Decisive you know I had a pretty good buzz I, I was doing okay Arabesque whatever Arabesque Arabesque wow. right but the show sucked but you had to go and do them mm-hmm. you gotta go and perform yeah and nowadays I don't see enough young artists going and doing these shows that suck mm-hmm. it's like a stand up comedian 
That's what they do. But then you go out to BC and you're doing the exact same show and more, more people are coming yeah. and they're buying the merch. So you got to get outside of your own comfort zone because I don't know what it's like all the time. I haven't been out that much in the last two years with COVID, but mm. that screw face capital that like my group are fresh. We make high energy music. Yeah. And it's like when we performed across Canada, everyone was hype. When we came to Toronto, packed crowd we were opening for foreign exchange mm. fonte at revival everybody's just standing there yeah screw face capital fam but as a performer do you change your performance that's what i had to learn mm -hmm. you don't bring your energy down you still bring that energy because toronto still likes it yeah they just show it in a different way yeah but as a performer you need to have things like call and response um and if you've got your hype man they're saying the other word. So if, even if the crowd isn't saying it, you still got it. Yeah. But that's the MC. And, you know, like, that's why I like, like Red Man and Method Man, like mm -hmm. just great MCs. Yeah. And just making the adjustments for the, for the different audiences. Right? Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, you, um, you have albums, you know, stay driven mm -hmm. and, and still driven, right? Yeah. Can you talk about the concept of stay driven and, and now still, still driven? Stay driven was my first professional recording mm -hmm. did in 2001 was just happy to be in a studio yeah and it was about making getting those thousand cds mm. and grew up on reading rap magazines where it was like i'm gonna sell these cds out the trunk yeah and then realizing how hard it actually is <laughs> came up with my first music video in 2001 so stay driven mm -hmm. came up with a motivational speaking program about it so i was hanging out with my boy mike fox works over TikTok. And he was like, DL, man, you stay driven so long, man, you're still driven. Mm. I said, oh boy. I said, that's 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 the album name. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. And then I, I got a dope beat and I wrote the Still Driven and I called up my man Jordan and um, shout out to my man Jordan. He just celebrated his birthday, but mm. a great Scotian singer, uh, a legend in Canada as far as I'm concerned and, Definitely. and he laid down the chorus for it and to me being that I'm, I'm 44 now I want to make music that I want to listen to mm -hmm. that people that are my friends want to listen to yeah I'm not trying to compete with the 20 year olds you know like I'm not going to come out here on some trap rap but I'm not going to come out on some old school boom bap yeah I'm just going to come uh, and that's why I love the new Nas album it's like it's just good hip hop yeah Kings and so three. I wanted to tell that story. I'm telling stories about my last name and being Scotian. When you go to Nova Scotia, they always say, what's your last name? Mm -hmm. Oh, I know your grandfather. I know. And so I've got a voice sample of my uncle on there. And, yeah. and so it's, it's all about that. And then finally I did a song called black three, six, five. And I love that song because that's what my programs call for black history. Yeah, so that's I said, Rochester and that's uh, with Rochester Drew, with Drew, Keisha Fresh and Terrell mm. Safety. So it's cool to me to have that diverse grouping of like a Canadian legendary singer like Drew Rochester has been putting it down for so many years and is so dope. Keisha Fresh, like she's just getting like acclaimed by Ajax, you know, and she's been killing it. And then Terrell Safety, who just recently, like last year was the first black artist to perform at a Vancouver Canucks hockey game. And he's, he just hit me up the other day. He's doing like a 20 show tour in a couple months. So like, 
I just love connecting with that young generation on that track too. Mm-hmm. I think it's all about collaboration. Yeah. And and with everything that you've, you know, done in the game, what do you think is one of your, or like, let's say not even one of them, mm. just your, if you could put one big accomplishment, your biggest accomplishment. Well, I could say Guinness, because what I, because people will say, did anybody break the record? Yeah. Uh, when they say the first one to get it videotaped, mm. it's because Supernatural broke the record a year after at Rock the Bells. Okay. However, he didn't, somebody stole the video footage <laughs> or something, but he never got it authenticated. Mm. Because it's one thing to do this, it's another thing to authenticate it. Uh, they have to, like, actually watch. Hold on, sound effect coming. Yeah, exactly. What happened? What happened? So, uh, so I was just proud to do that because, you know, having that plaque, that's something I can always, you know, show to my kids and my mm. kids' kids. But the first thing that comes to my mind um, is another chapter in my book, and it's called Made It Moment. Because the time that I felt that I made it is when I was performing in Singapore. Mm. And I was there with Slack at the Beach out, Art of Fresh. My DJ was famous because nice. I brought famous out to the Asia. Kid, the kids and famous hasn't come back. He just mm. comes back for Carabana, but he's yeah. killing it over there. And my man Diz, who's part of my first rap group, my first producer. So performing in Singapore downtown, it's a free show for the city, but there's like thousands of people there. But I'm just like, I called my dad afterwards, and it was just one of those times where you feel like you made it having that dream as a kid to be a rapper and now I'm in Singapore. Singapore. Staying at Marina Bay Sands, which if you ever see this, you've probably seen it somewhere like Crazy Rich Ages. It's a hotel where there's three pillars Mm -hmm. and it goes up like 100 floors and then there's a boat that goes across those three pillars and in that boat is an infinity pool. (laughs) Wow. Oh, it's pretty gangster, man. And we stayed at that hotel. That's crazy. Shout out to Factor. Shout out to Seema. Yeah. For, for covering that. <laughs> right? No, so. shout out to Factor for real, man. <laughs> yeah, man. Shout out to everybody uh, who, who collaborated with, with that. Shout out to you, fam. Thank you. you. Know what I'm saying? Like, I, I feel like you, you are a, a bevy of information. Mm. Like, you have so much gems for the people. And you're not one who are, who's shy to share the information. You know what I'm saying? Like, mm. I hate when people say the game is to be sold, not told. I'm, I'm like, who made that rule up? Like, nah. like, nah, fam, information is free. We can Google information now. So why, if you have the info, can you not share it with somebody who might need it? You know what I'm saying? But I prefer to share good information, mm-hmm. not lazy information. Yeah. So what I mean by that is like when somebody says in an email to me, when is new school rules? Mm-hmm. It's like, well. Am I going to know right off the top of my head the dates of New School Rules? Yeah. I'm going to have to go Google it. So why don't you Google it instead of asking me that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but if you email me and say New School Rules is in May, D, I'm trying to get on there. Like, do you have any suggestions? I'm more than willing to help you out. Yeah, yeah. Because I want to see more artists succeed. And like, I never viewed other people as competition. Mm -hmm. I think that's the thing, like maybe being an outsider from this city, I've lived here for 20 years, but when I came to Toronto, I just saw all these artists want to like take over Toronto. Yeah. And you know, I'm not going to do anything until I take over Toronto. And then like, 
I looked at it as like, who really cares? Mm. You know, because then I'd see Classified come and do a show and it's packed and your show isn't. <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean? So it's like I always looked at it more as far as Canada and then more internationally. And then, you know, if you have these relationships with with the young artists coming up, mm-hmm. you can collaborate with them. I mean, Slack at the Beach out at our studio in Scarborough, that's where Drake did comeback season. Okay. Slack and mix replacement girl. Yes, he did. So I should have known this as a Drakeologist. So yeah. So like I remember when Drake was there, like being like, yo, like DL, we gotta do a track, man. Yeah. Like, you know, and him bigging up Slack and just seeing that evolution of Drake. So it's mm. like it's cool that he's in one of our music videos, you know, makes a cameo. Like, that's dope. Yo, <laughs> this guy dropped the bomb right? on us. And that's dude. our house music joint. Get free. Yeah. <laughs> Hold on. Drop the bomb hey. on us. <laughs> Holy shit, man. I got an unreleased record with Drake. What? <laughs> and it's it's cool. It's uh, <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> well, it's a funny song. It's a funny song. Um, because we were contracted to do this. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's us doing a remake of It's Like That okay, by Run DMC. So I think it's dope because it's like, you know, we're going back and forth on the mic mm-hmm. and it's it's an old school flow, but yeah. it's Run DMC. So it's like, I'm always just thinking, you know, we'll figure out the right time to, to come out with it. <laughs> Yo. Yo, Dio, you came with- Got an ace in the pocket. Jewels. You came with some bombshells. <laughs> right. Yo, fam, I'm 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 really glad we had this, we finally yeah. got to sit down oh, and have this yeah. conversation, man. Um, we're almost at 2023. Yeah. So, what do you have? I'm sure you're planning into next year already. I mean, not today. I was booking shows in June, so yeah. I, so, I what, what off, can we expect coming up next? Well, Black Canadian 365 is back. Mm-hmm. I start the year off in Vancouver. I'm doing a residency at the Michael J. Fox Theater. Nice. So, I'm doing three shows a day: nine, eleven, and one. Wow. Five days a week. Then I'm touring all over BC the following week. Then I'm doing 40 shows in Southern Ontario mm-hmm. at schools. Um, going to the Junos in March. Another tour in BC in April. Uh, going out to the East Coast of Canada Jeez. in early May. And then going to Netherlands at the end of May. And uh, yeah, that'll take us to halfway through the year. And then bringing back Northern Power Summit for the summer next year in August. Okay. So yeah, you always got to be thinking ahead, right? So um, I love just being able to plan ahead. I, I find, you know, when an artist says to me like, D, I want to play South by Southwest. Well, it's February. Um, South by Southwest is in March. Mm. Their deadlines are early October. Yeah. So if I had to give advice to an artist, I would say to them, it's really important to learn your calendar. Mm-hmm. When you're applying for grants, they're basically at the same time every year. Yeah. So if you realize the the album deadline is May and October, you can plan things around that. If you know the Canadian Music Week is here or East Coast Music Week or whatnot, you can plan around that or Mm. New School Rules is always there. So if you want to go tour Europe, well, if you can showcase at New School Rules, you can get a showcase grant from Factor. You can get a travel grant from SoCan. So now you can go do your show at New School Rules, but maybe you can book something in London. Maybe you can do something in Germany. Mm-hmm. Maybe you can do something in France, but you're already out there. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> no, nah, man, that's 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 good game right there, man. Um, 
give the people your social medias. Let them yeah. know where to, to find you. Not just your social medias, but anywhere where you want them to find any information and anything that the people will need out there. I-A-M-D-O Gibson. Okay. I-A-M-D-O Gibson on Instagram. I am D.O. Gibson on YouTube. Mm-hmm. I am D.O. Gibson on TikTok. I am D.O. Gibson.com. What I learned from my man T.J. Chapman, yep. T.J.'s, D.J.'s, I was in Atlanta. I used to go to all the core D.J. conferences, even performed at one in Vegas. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and those are like hood events. Yeah. Like we'd be out in New Orleans, like going to the hood, juvie out there. But But T.J. said something I'll never forget. He just said, keep your brand consistent on all platforms. Yes. Because how many times have I heard an artist on the radio say, you can find me on Instagram at this, and then you can find me on YouTube, and it's a different one, and it has nothing almost to do with your name, yeah. or if you have just a generic name. So, I mean, I started as D.O. because I wanted you to go in the record store and see D.O., yeah. just like T.I. But then I realized it's hard to search. Yeah. You're going to find the doctor of orthopathy. Yeah. So, D.O. Gibson. But then- what is how does Diddy brand himself? I am Diddy. Mm-hmm. So I am Dio Gibson. Keeps it consistent. Dope, 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 dope. No, thank you, man. Yeah, thank you're, you, man. You're, you're still driven. Still you know driven. what I'm saying? I think I'm gonna yeah. take us out of here. Wood's still driven. Salute to the dope. listening audience and let them let them hear some of that right there. Yeah, yeah. Can't stop. Yeah, man. Another Won't one in stop. the boat right here. Salute to our sponsors, Astro Pink. Hit them up on their Instagram, Astro underscore pink. Order website, myastropink.com. Hit me up on all my social media platforms all across the board. Friday, Ricky Dredd, that's D-R-E-D. We love hiphop.ca. We are off of this. Deuces. I used to come home and watch much, it was all a dream These were the days of double XL and oversized jeans Back then there was so few that had success I looked up to Fresh Prince and Maestro Fresh West Now it's been 20 years, don't make a mistake Since October 78, I was Drake before Drake paving the way Some days felt like a full-time job Kept my money on my mind like a Snoop Doggy Dog Of course I had credits, all they selling is wolf tickets I rolled it, pivot, flipped it, can you dig it? Now we gonna live it up like... We love hip hop.